For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Witness, we are all witnesses indeed, because we witnessed the greatest piece of sports history I personally have ever seen in my lifetime. JC, I think it's probably your lifetime as well, considering the what LeBron has accomplished, but unfortunately comes in yet another crucial Lakers loss. Welcome in, welcome back to the Ethos Lakers podcast. JC, would you agree that this is the most improbable record of your lifetime sports record that you've seen fall? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think in in 2016, when when Cleveland beat Golden State, um, to for me that was that was when LeBron became you know my favorite player of all time, and in my opinion, the greatest player of all time. And anything he was going to do from that point on was just going to be icing on the cake for me because he, at that point, I thought about Kareem's record, and I was like, well, given how Players of his age typically decline. He'll probably break the record if he can break the record in eight years. Well, he did it in five, and so yeah. I and and I was like, in in 2016, to for for him to play eight more years, I just didn't think it was really feasible. I think I was thinking he's going to become really close, but it's not going to be not going to be quite close enough. And you know, whatever. And and that'll probably be give people ammunition to. Did not call him the greatest, but to me, I think he will be. And that was what I was saying in 2016 and just five short years later. And would have even been faster had COVID not been a thing. Um, he just obliterated the record. The most amazing part of all of this for me is just the sustainability of which LeBron has been able to achieve so consistently throughout his career in terms of the greatness. Usually we talk about great players, and, you know, in my opinion, there is no argument that currently stands anymore against keeping LeBron out of the greatest player of all time at the number one spot. What else do you want this guy to do? I mean, not only has he been able and has had to, in some really convoluted, complex situations with terrible rosters, especially early in his career, produces such a high level from day one. To do what he's done, you basically have to average at least 25 points per game over 20 years, playing 82 games per season, okay? We already know that wasn't even possible with the COVID year. What LeBron has been able to do over 20 years is score more than 1,900 points every single season. So the peak of his greatness has now just spanned such an immensely insane amount of time. Like, you think back to the year 2008, which unfortunately for me, you know, dates me a little bit because I feel like that was yesterday. And that's, you, you realize that was 15 years ago. 
So kids who were six at that time are now 21 years old and adults, right? And so you think about the generations that have been influenced by LeBron and, and what, what we've seen. I mean, you have kids who are in high school who grew up on Steph Curry, so let alone who, who, who what, have, what we've seen from LeBron. And in the context of what he's been doing, especially since turning 38 years old, I mean, it's remarkable. To begin the season before he was quote-unquote healthy, we sat here and talked about, eh, you know, he looks human, right? He, he looks... He looks like a guy in his in his 20th year who's still doing incredible things, but he looks human, for lack of a better way to say it. And now, and for, for a good stretch, he's looked superhuman. Unfortunately, the Lakers lose yet another critical, close game down the stretch because they show no signs of urgency. And, and JC, I want to talk more about LeBron, but I really want to fixate on the fact that the Lakers sit here and talk to us about how, how they have to win basically every game. And then you see them give up 130 plus points, including nearly 80 in the first half. And you wonder why, how is that possible? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, th- I think it's definitely important to get as many wins as they can. I, tonight I kind of figured it was going to go this way. It's sort of, Sort of like the ring ceremonies at the beginning of the season. Emotions do really weird things to people. Uh, even a couple of weeks ago when when uh, the Lakers lost on that really bad call to Boston, yeah. my, immediate, my immediate tweet was, I hope LeBron gets super pissed off and just dominates this overtime. But the way they played in that overtime, you could tell like, their emotions were just completely drained them of all energy. And I think tonight... You know, Anthony Davis didn't really know what to do. He didn't know whether or not he should assert himself or play the way he's been playing. Or you could tell nobody really knew what they wanted to do except for Russell, who wanted to make and take every every shot imaginable and make every bad pass imaginable tonight. But yeah, you could you could get the sense that nobody really knew what it was they wanted to do tonight because they had to get through this one record, which is kind of why I was hoping it would only last one game because if it had lasted two games. That would have been disastrous. I just, I, I, I mean, I was really disappointed with Anthony Davis this evening. I was really disappointed with all the Lakers not named LeBron. I know there's a, there's a lot of this, you know, almost sort of the final Kobe game atmosphere, right, where you just stand around and watch, sort of become a fan. I know there's a human element to this stuff, but I, I'm just wondering what's going on in practices. And, you know, there's there's a longer conversation we're going to have a little later in this show jc because we're just getting started here about rotations and what they look like in particular since rui hachimura's come to the team but now with lonnie walker back who's been playing off the bench and austin reeves coming back in this one playing off the bench albeit barely i'm just wondering what we're going to look like as the lakers move forward because i don't think it's coincidence patrick beverly has received more minutes as he's been more effective at the offensive end but I wonder about the general construction of this Lakers team and the need for size, among other things, in particular on the wing. I'm getting a little tired of Patrick Beverly uh, being the three and D guy at, at his size on this team. It, it's really hurting the Lakers. So, you know, I want to bring it back to LeBron, though. What he, what he has achieved, JC, do you think, and I'm, I'm just sort of spitballing here, but do you think we're going to see anything like this in our lifetime. And I don't mean necessarily even just in the context of basketball, 
But in terms of unbreakable records being broken, I just I, I don't I don't think I'm gonna ever see something like this ever again. No, I mean I, I don't think you are. I mean certainly not. You know in our lifetimes, like some people thought. Um, I forgot what show I was watching, but some people thought like Luca potentially could, but somebody asked him about it, and his immediate response was, "Yeah, I'm not going to play that long, so there's no way I'm breaking that record." Um, oh God, Luca! Luca would <laughs> Luca would retire tomorrow if it meant he had guaranteed outcome and results, man. I mean, he he loves it, but he's not LeBron James in that way. Yeah, and like Steph Curry, you could see he's there's no way he's going to have the longevity because he he doesn't have the 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 durability. He's he's injured again as we speak. So, I mean, yeah, I just don't think it's really possible um, with the way guys are load managing now and, and things like that. It's just, it's, I mean, he's, LeBron is still probably going to tack on anywhere between four and 6,000 more points to this record before he's done. So, yeah, it's, it, it'll be out of touch. Yeah, I mean, I really, I, I just, well, I guess we'll see, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's how, that's how it goes. And that's, that's what we got to deal with. And, you know, I, I I think that as 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 the Lakers sort of take shape around LeBron going forward and, w- and with this with this record now behind us, I I thought it was so weird, JC. There's so much about LeBron that I want to discuss because it's been a while since we've been able to get together, and I just I feel like so many thoughts are swirling around in my head. But I thought it was sort of weird. That prior to breaking the scoring record, you know, LeBron does the interview with Will Bond. I rarely critique LeBron's leadership style and or, or what he chooses to do. But to go on public record and say, you know, we missed out on Kyrie and, you know, now I can focus on the guys in the locker room, basically. I thought that was just such a weird choice. Did that strike you as odd at all? It, I mean, it did, but it. at the same time, I mean, it was just kind of a... It's a hard question for Will Bond to ask him because, you know, I think if he says if he says no comment, people will read too much into that. And then if he if he says something that's that's an obvious lie, people would would clown him for that. And so I think he just kind of took the honest approach and just sort of said what was on his mind, which, you know, uh, he's not always going to say the right thing. He's he's human after all that some at some points in his life. And so. Yeah, it wasn't the best the best look, but I mean, KD even stepped in it like that earlier this year, where he talked about the guys in his lineup and how is he supposed to win with with certain guys in the starting lineup, and so you know those kind of missteps happen. Well, now he's got Cam Thomas, so I think his problems are solved. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> but but I mean that's fair. I know I think I think that's fair. You know, it, I mean, it, granted, it was the worst open secret in basketball, right? That that Kyrie and LeBron had had interest in playing together again. And it's no, it's also no secret the Lakers have been trying to upgrade the point guard position since. Honestly, I feel like since Kobe was in the purple and gold, really, um, it's one of those things that you know since since Derek Fisher, been sort of a rotating list of people. It's 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 amazing to me that you know I I found myself in a Jeremy Lin hole the other day and uh, I've watched highlights of Jeremy Lin taking a shot instead of Kobe down the stretch. Uh, against the Clippers for the to Lakers put to go up three in that game, it was just amazing. And I, I kind of forgot that Jeremy Lin played for the Lakers, but that's another topic for another day. And you know, as ESPN put up a graphic, JC as as LeBron achieved this record that he sits now atop the throne of Lakers history. Like you know, it's him in the in the King's throne with Kobe and Kareem sort of looking on at him. 
I don't know how I feel about that in particular, right? Because, yeah, I know. he's he's. I just said he's the greatest player of all time. He's the all-time NBA scoring champion. I mean, I'm not taking absolutely anything from him. But he has not spent the majority of his career with the Lakers. And I think to 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 represent him as the king of the Lakers is a little – I think that's a little misleading. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Right? I mean – Granted, you know, if you put a couple other people in that photo, you know, from throughout NBA history, different teams, okay, mix it up. Obviously, that makes a little bit more sense. But, you know, to just have Kareem and Kobe and to create this Lakers pantheon, I don't know, felt a little weird. But, you know, I know everybody's just going to be sort of marveling at what can't this guy do? Well, he, he might not be able to play in the next game. He took himself out of this game, JC, with this foot issue that seems to be just I don't know exactly, you know, how it goes away by him continuing to play on it and carry the load. This is such an important time for Anthony Davis to step up for this team, JC. I really think Anthony Davis needs to be the best player for the rest of the regular season on this Lakers team. If the Lakers are going to really make the playoffs, let alone do anything in the playoffs. Yeah, he's he's got to go back to to playing the way he was before he was injured. And I know it might take a while for him to kind of get back into that mode but yeah that's that's definitely what he needs to do lakers are in a bad stretch right now i mean they they sort of snuck out that win against the pacers to say the least but they're not exactly playing what i would consider to be playoff brand of basketball we're seeing the the all of the different levels of parity that are present throughout the the western conference as the lakers take on all these different teams so it's certainly not going to get easier and as good as lebron has been playing it's great to have a mostly healthy team. You just sit here and you, and you wonder now, because as the trade deadline comes up, JC, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Kyrie Irving, obviously. We just sort of you know, talked about it a little bit. We'll get more into it now. I think the Brooklyn Nets, I think Joe Sy were intent on not sending Kyrie to Lakers. I believe that. I, I so very honestly believe that because I don't think he wanted to have Kyrie Irving get what he wanted. Because he made he, he's he's caused him nothing but a headache this year. Made a commitment literally a week before the trade request was ready to accept two hundred million dollars. The Nets were gonna ready to offer it to him with conditions. He said, "No, I'd rather be traded." And now you know he's he's on a new team. So I don't really blame Josiah. I also would have honestly, JC, I would have been very conflicted about Kyrie Irving on the Lakers. I I. I I think the basketball player is an incredible talent, but I think the person, to say it kindly, is still developing. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I, I I'm I'm as appreciative and and I I you know um, I love the moment of the LeBron and Kyrie scoring 41 apiece in the finals and. That's one of my favorite games of all time, and Kyrie and LeBron together was an unstoppable pick and roll. But um, there was almost a sense of relief when he was traded to Dallas because I think, out of all the teams in the West, uh, where Kyrie could be the least impactful, because I, I don't think it makes a lot of sense on paper, is uh, was Dallas. I think um, I think him and Luca are going to coexist together fine, but I I I don't see I don't see them really excelling, or I don't see them going up another few levels the way they did last year with Jalen Brunson. I know I know Kyrie's better than Jalen Brunson, but I just don't see how it'll work because 
you know, Kyrie off the ball, to me, wasn't as effective in Brooklyn when, when Harden was the point guard. And, you know, when, when all three of those, those players were there, Harden, Kyrie, and KD, yeah, they were effective, all three of them, along with, you know, whoever else they put on the court. But I knew ultimately big egos like that don't they can't coexist. And so I just I just don't see it working in Dallas. I just I don't the basketball fit is is fascinating. First first of all, it's just sort of a funny side note that that Spencer did when he finds himself back in Brooklyn as part of this deal. But but for Kyrie Irving and for, for really any any second star next to Luka, unless the Mavericks fundamentally change their approach where Luka is so not ball dominant. I I don't know how it works. I I I just Luca is so magic with the ball in his hands. There's no doubt that everything should run through Luca as the Mavs had been constructed up until this period of time. But I'm curious yeah. what adjustments they're going to put in place because unless Luca comes off the ball significantly, I I don't I don't see how Kyrie Irving is utilized to his his fullest potential either. Yeah, that that's the adjustment where I don't where where I don't see it working. Like Kyrie playing off the ball, he's done that before with Harden. What does Luca do off the ball? I don't I don't understand. I've never seen him play off the ball. I don't I don't know what he does in possessions when he doesn't have the ball or doesn't. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply start off the possession like it that seems like it would be such and it seems like such a bad way to use a talent like Luca to to make him play off the ball and so if you're going to alternate possessions with him and Kyrie that's not going to work and it's, and ultimately Kyrie's going to want the ball and so you're going to have to take it out of Luca's hands I mean look if you're the Mavericks if you're Mark Cuban you basically said, okay, I'll, I'll give you Spencer Dinwiddie, a, a dispensable player on my roster. I'll give you Dorian Finney-Smith, whose contract is, you know, not cumbersome, but definitely one that if I can, if I can move on from, I'm not upset about it. A, a first-round pick, that's not going to be too good anyway. And a, and a, and a second-round bundle that is kind of a whatever. I mean, the Dallas deal might have been my least favorite for Brooklyn out of all of them. That's that's the part for me as well. I thought even the Clippers, like if the Clippers are really putting Luke Kennard and or Norm Powell and or Robert Covington, you know, and, and or some picks in that deal, I think that's even more interesting than what they got from Dallas, let alone, you know, the Lakers offering them the two first-round picks plus, plus Russ's contract. But if you're Dallas, you have no commitment to Kyrie Irving beyond this season. So, sure, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll trade you Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and so an assorted bag of crap for, you know, a, a chance to see what it looks like with Kyrie for half a season. I understand it. But again, you know, and if there's a if there's an owner who's willing to to sort of you know be out in front of that that PR situation, it might very well be Mark Cuban. But I just I mean, for me, I, I really I really was was so disappointed with Kyrie Irving earlier this year. I really don't know what, if anything, he learned from all of that. 
And if he had come to the Lakers, I, I really would have I really would have struggled with that. So I'm I'm personally glad that I'm not confronting that reality. But there's no doubt that, you know, he would have made it a more talented roster in terms of just the basketball fit and the general basketball talent. And now the Lakers move forward, JC, into the trade deadline, just a couple of days away, not even at this point. And, and you wonder about what's what's realistically feasible for them. Well, you sit here and you know that they still got the two big assets, the 20, pick and 27, the pick and 29. You really, I, I feel like you really don't want to trade one and especially both of those picks for for Gary Trent Jr., right? I, I feel like that's not, it's not enough a player like that. But, JC, as the Lakers go into the deadline, A, do you think that they're going to get a deal done? And, B, what kind of deal is really going to be something that significantly changes the trajectory or the direction of this Lakers team? Because they've already had so much change just with health throughout the season that I feel like it would have to be something that's really considerable to, to, to introduce such a massive change again. Yeah, I mean, whatever, I think they will make a deal. Whatever deal happens needs to put an end to the three-guard lineup of, of Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Beverly, and Russell Westbrook in together at the same time, which is, I mean, I think one of either Westbrook or Patrick Beverly has to go. And, and lately, I mean, Patrick Beverly has been playing better offensively and his defense is still there. Um, I know Russell is shooting better lately and that seems to be masking a lot of his other problems because nobody's really complaining about russell as much anymore but like have you seen his passing lately did you see his passing tonight uh, uh bad russell westbrook is back like i don't know if anybody realizes that or not and so yeah he might be playing better off the bench but he's he's not making a positive impact on this team i don't think which is kind of why of the trades that are out there, if there's like a Mike Conley or uh, Mike Conley and Malik Beasley, which is kind of what's been rumored the most out there. Mike Conley is an adaptable point guard. He's a true point guard. He can shoot most importantly. And so he's somebody I think would run the second unit really well. It would be paced a lot slower, but that can be a good thing. I think the Lakers play too fast as a team. That's sort of a hot, Hot take, but I don't know how hot it is. I feel, I feel like they play too fast. I feel like they yeah. outplay themselves on certain possessions. You know what I'm trying to say? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's – yeah, Russell Westbrook still still does that. Like, he play, he's, he was at his best when he slowed himself down. And at the time, I said, this is great. And he's kind of played himself back into, you know, not, just, not deserving to be traded off of this team. But eventually, he's he's gone back to – the hundred mile an hour Westbrook that, that just doesn't work. I just, I feel like, I feel like when I watch the Lakers and half court set that very rarely do I watch an actual play unfold. I feel like I watch a lot of ISO, uh, a lot of high pick and roll and not really much else. I don't really think the offensive scheme is all that creative. I see a lot of standing around a lot of the time and I, and I, I just, I wonder how much of that is is on the coaches and how much of that is is on the players because they obviously watch the tape. They obviously have practice time. I I know that they are seeing the same thing that we see, JC, but I I see so much to be desired in the half-court set, like coming off of a back screen, just, you know, motion in opposite directions, but, you know, moving toward the basket, like always having somebody dive to the rim. 
there's there's too much settling within this offense, and I just there's there's some real fundamental issues with the approach right now, including but not limited to the rotation, JC. That that I'm I really wonder about. Like, were you surprised Austin Reeves only played seven minutes tonight? I know it's his first game back, but seven minutes. Oh yeah, especially especially given that the three guard lineup I just mentioned got way too many minutes tonight. Uh, Trevor Lane. Uh, he pointed out on Twitter that that lineup, that lineup seems to be in a lot when LeBron is on the bench, and they have a net rating of minus 16. And I know Rui is still trying to figure out his his place on the team because he's new, but he he can create his own shot in the mid range. Reeves is back. Why don't you try to pair Thomas Bryant alongside AD at the same time just to give yourself a bigger lineup? Like Darvin Ham has options. He doesn't. He doesn't have to resort to that three guard, that tiny, three guard lineup that can't shoot. That's that's where I hope he has an assistant over there who's willing to say to him, "Hey man, you you got to change this up. It's not working." You know. So I'm I'm curious to see how that unfolds because ahead of the trade deadline, JC, I I just I think the most realistic. I think I think those that those two names in particular. A deal with the Jazz sounds, it certainly sounds feasible, but if it costs the Lakers one, let alone both of their first round picks to get Mike Conley and, and Malik Beasley, I don't think there's going to be too much jubilation about that. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I'm not, I, I'm, I, I really, I, I can't, I can't in good faith believe that Danny Ainge is going to make any trade where he feel like he de- he doesn't win it outright. That's that's his sort of mo, right? Trade yeah. advantage. So, you, I think for this Lakers team, obviously the the window to trade for from Miles Turner and Buddy Hield is coming gone, and and now you're in this this very weird predicament because sure the team needs more help, but there's so much competition in the Western Conference that what can you really acquire with your with your very limited asset pool? That will that will for sure change the trajectory in such immediate fact uh, fashion that it will allow the Lakers to to you know have some of the pressure taken off of them. I don't think that type of acquisition, that type of deal, is out there. I think the Lakers could acquire a a supplemental piece. Like I think it's, you're talking about a guy and maybe even a tier or two below Rui Hachimura. And if that's the case, I just think that creates more rotation confusion at this point than it does anything else I, I would love you know for the Lakers to acquire some real some real better and truer fits for this roster in terms of wing help and three-point shooting but again I just I don't see how that deal comes together in, in, in not even 48 hours yeah I mean any any package they because yeah you do have to worry about even more potential log jams in the roster and so you've got to look at the guys who have fallen out of the rotation, uh, JTA, Damian Jones, um, you know, are, are two names that come to mind of, of players that just have fallen Even completely out of the rotation. Team. Yeah. And if you like package, let's say a Patrick Beverly or a Russell Westbrook along with those two guys, plus like one pick, like that should get you something. But yeah, you don't even Troy, Troy Brown has been playing pretty good lately. And so, you know, do you want to relegate him, relegate him to a position where he's no longer playing anymore just because you bring in another guy? Yeah, there's a lot of questions to be asked. The fundamental construction 
of this Lakers team is so flawed that, yeah, there are a lot of areas you could address, but ultimately, what does it do? Does it does it solve a problem or does it create a new one? And I think that's the weird in between that this front office has to deal with. I hope they're certainly working for a potential deal. I hope they're exploring every avenue to improve their team. I hope they're shopping big but looking small. I hope they're doing all the things that it that it will take to support the season LeBron James, who set this unbelievable record this evening, has provided to all of us and will continue to provide, provide to all of us. Anthony Davis, JC, has to be better. I, I need more production from point guard. I mean, I, again, Patrick Beverly, like you said, is really playing like the best point guard on the roster right now. Dennis Schroeder has, has forgotten how to be aggressive playing with LeBron once again. And, and Russell Westbrook really hasn't been all that slamming recently. I agree with you, especially especially his passing and his decision-making. And then it's it's like the complete inverse. Like late in the game, he's attacking the basket because he has to. Where is that from, from the start of the game, man? Like, this, just, just do that. Stop shooting anything outside of five feet. Just do that. <laughs> it's really all you need to do. So it's, it's maddening how, how basic the Lakers – can adjust and, and and probably enjoy better results, but their infrastructure is so flawed that even with these big performances from LeBron, it's it's not getting it done. I mean, the Thunder, they couldn't miss from three-point land in the first half. They were still on fire in the second half. The Lakers turned the ball over like 20 times, or or and if not 20, damn, they're close to it. And still, the Lakers only lost by three points, and I know the game was you know a little wider than that, but the opportunity to win was there. The Lakers aren't getting beat by these opponents who are barely beating them. The Lakers are, are really beating themselves in a lot of ways. And I think that's where the frustration lies for so many in this process. Yeah, and that's, you know, why, like, an, an acquisition like Rui was nice, but Rui was, isn't, isn't really going to be somebody who completely changes the trajectory of this team. And so... You know, I think you need one or two more pieces to do that. And to, to change the trajectory of the team, you might have to change the philosophy. Like we were talking about, you've got to slow thing down, things down. And if you're going to slow things down, the only piece to get rid of that makes sense is the is the piece that can't go less than 100 miles an hour, which is Westbrook. I just, the Lakers need to decide what their identity is. Because when the season began, JC, it was defense, 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 and they were doing a good job of it. When AD went out, it was offense, 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 and they were doing a decent job of it. But now since Anthony Davis has returned, and now that LeBron has the scoring record in the bag and we're in the rearview mirror with this, they got to decide what their identity is because right now it's nothing. Yeah, I, I am hoping that it was partially a case of as he got closer to the record, that kind of became the focus and – my biggest worry was that as he got closer and closer to it, he was just going to get in his head and he was just going to start breaking everything. And so thankfully he got through the record almost pretty much as fast as he could have. And so now that they're past it, yeah, hopefully they can refocus and focus in the right direction. No doubt about it. I mean, once we saw what LeBron was showing up to the arena in tonight, you knew, you knew he was going to make every effort to get it done. That's, that's for sure. So JC, with the trade deadline right ahead of us, the Lakers really needed to pick up their pace of play. What is the deal? And this is sort of the note that we'll get out of here on. What is the deal? Who is the player that you hope to see wearing a Lakers uniform 
by the time the trade deadline has come and gone. Uh, I mean, if it's if it's one like realistically, kind of, give me a realistic name and give me a little bit of a pie in the sky name. Okay, yeah, like like pie in the sky. This guy talks about how he's never been respected as as much as he should have in the league. Um, I think one way to do that for would be for him to become a Laker and it, it and it'd be worth the two draft picks plus whatever else they might want. And that's Damian Lillard. But man, what a terrible trade for Portland fans to go from Damian Lillard to Russell Westbrook, who Russell Westbrook in that system I actually think would kind of thrive, but Portland fans would not appreciate him. I don't and think so, there is any way, any way that you can sell that to a Trailblazers fan. Yeah, yeah, no way at all. Um, but no, realistically, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, you always hear me say that the more noise there is around a trade, the less likely it's going to happen. And so that does kind of put a kibosh on the, the Conley-Beasley trade in, with Utah. Um, but I think, you know, I think there's a there's a path to like a Gary Trent or an OG and an OB with, with Toronto because Toronto seems to be selling big time. And so that maybe might be where, where I'd look. Man, it's so interesting that you said that because I was going to give you a three-tiered answer for me. Most realistic, I would say, is is you're probably looking at potentially Gary Trent Jr. Give me my next tier would be a OG Ananobi. And my pie in the sky would be Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. All from the Raptors. So, I mean, this this is, you know, I, I don't think Kyle Lowry does anything for this Lakers team. I don't think, I don't think that, you know, a name popped in from many years ago. You know, I I don't, there's, I don't think there's a a Ryan Anderson or a Mirza Teletovic on the open market. Uh, And again, you know, neither of those guys played a lot of defense uh, and that's really what the Lakers need. But man, the Lakers just need shooting on the wing and down low. And and they really just need to figure out what the rotation is going to be. And I put that on the coaching staff. And the players who are playing the best should should play should play the minutes. I mean, at this point, you play who's who's going to get you there. That's that's really as as simple as it's, as it's going to be. So we're both saying Gary Trent Jr. for the most realistic pie in the sky. I, you know, I would love Damian Lillard, but I, I just I don't see I don't see a, a foundation for that to move forward. I don't see Fred VanVleet happening either. I really don't see a big blockbuster trade for these Lakers, but they've certainly surprised us before, JC. But hopefully we will have something to discuss beyond just what's left on the schedule as as we as we move forward on the Ethos Lakers podcast. Great to be back with you, man. We're hoping to do it again soon. We'll have the solo episodes in between as we always do. And until next time, we out.